You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Media Group podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. On today's episode, I sit down with Tara Krombaugh, founder of the Java House Coffee Roasters, a local coffee staple in the Iowa City community for nearly 30 years. Tara shares with me how she researched over 50 coffee houses in California before launching the Java House in Iowa City, how partnerships were the cornerstone of her company's success, and how big chain coffee shops have actually helped her business grow. Tara also explores the importance for people to have a third space to retreat to, her mentality around money as an obstacle to growth, and Tara shares what real success means to her. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's Empowered Money Management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Tara, thank you so much. I'm super excited about the, the conversation. I'm dub you the, uh, the coffee queen of the corridor. Is that, is that, that's, that's fair, right? Coffee that's, girl. <laughs> coffee girl. I love it. That works. We all uh, know and love your product. It's an institution here in downtown Iowa City. And of course, uh, now right smack dab in front of all of us Corridorians when we fly back in at the Cedar Rapids airport with the beautiful new kiosk you have there. And we're going to talk a bit about that partnership and relationship. I know people always go into, I, I am at least, I go and walk through these airports or you guys are in the hospital as well. And always like kind of curious about um, what's the, how does that, are you paying a lease? Like, how does that all kind of work with places like those sort of things? Down in the deep, you know, they always said, I think we become better at uh, negotiating contracts and uh, networking and figuring out a way to make make it work than we do actually running them. Um, (laughs) That's the trick, So yeah, a lot of relationships, whether it's with the University of Iowa, which really helped us establish our roots here in Iowa City. Um, The hospitals, of course, which we're very, it it, it was our roots. Um, The the airport was a wonderful opportunity. We certainly work in an, uh, a license agreement with um, an, an amazing global company. Um, and it I think that's probably the part we love the best about being in business is all the different experiences that we are confronted with, right? Like yeah. you're suddenly like, oh, a global company. Okay, what? <laughs> you got to be okay, nimble. Okay, I'm yeah. just an Iowa City girl. Um, so I think that's what I think we all know when it comes to contracts or setting up any new company, any new entity, um, the thing that we appreciate the most is a new challenge. Yeah. Because after we do this every day, something new, something to research and fall on our face just a tad and pick ourselves back up. Yeah. And you've done a lot of different things and grown the business in a really unique way. I think a lot of us just see the one coffee shop and we'll get into sort of your entire journey, but people think of just one, but you've done all these unique things within that particular industry, growing both geographically and in a different location. So it's a fascinating story. Everybody knows coffee. Everybody knows coffee shops. Everybody knows the Java house. But let's take us back to the start um, at your University of Iowa grad. You're, you finish up here in Iowa City with school. Where, where did the coffee as a business thing get its root? 
Where did it get its root? 1993, it started with no internet, virtually no computers. Um, brother went to Berkeley and dad lived in Santa Cruz. And that's really where the start started, brought the idea of a coffee house. And it is a true story. I had a dream of drinking hot chocolate in a wool sweater with Birkenstocks at that time in a warehouse. Like an actual, actual dream? That was yeah. my vision. vision. Let's put it yeah. that way. I didn't drink coffee. <laughs> Uh, Dad drank the coffee. I was 20 years old. Um, it is true. I I uh, lived in a sorority house here at the University of Iowa. Uh, looked in the uh, course guide. Back then it was in paper format. Looked for the word entrepreneurship. I was pretty sure it meant opening a company. <laughs> Wasn't real sure. And I showed up to the class and it just so happened to be the first entrepreneur class at Iowa. There were 12 of us in the class. Really? Huh. And uh, funny enough, I still maintain contact with one or two of the individuals in that class today. Um, and now that's become, I, I enjoy, I think the, uh, in the end, it will circle back and I hope that I can give back to students now that also yeah. want to do that. We think we see coffee shops now today, you go into an urban environment and they're, I mean, they're not on every street corner, but they're, they're a lot of places, right? You got the, obviously the onset of Starbucks and they're, they're, they've grown, but in Iowa city, take us to Iowa city in 1992, like we're there no coffee shops here in a college town? You're right. It was a great Midwestern ice cream and the cottage. There was a lot of people that had coffee but didn't have it as the experience. So right. I was trying to capture the experience, trying to capture a second home, trying to capture um, not necessarily average coffee, but an exceptional cup of coffee in a, in a, a third home. So that was my selling feature when I went to the bank, you know, no one does just coffee. Right. Um, there we have it. And that was the spring of 94. I, I had just turned 21. And here we are. Take us back, though, to that trip to visit your, your brother and dad at, over at Cal Berkeley. I mean, like everything in Iowa, right? We're getting all these trends like five, 10 years, especially without the internet. We're getting a trend like 10 years after, I'm sure, in 1990 of what's popped up in California. But you go and what do you, I know that the story is that you you visited 50 different coffee shops like so you were you there and like holy cow like this is everywhere out here but it's not any, it's not not anywhere in Iowa so what take us back to that kind of R&D trip that you took in California like what really jumped out were you always sort of naturally curious and observant um, what was it about those coffee shops in California that really um, pushed you over the edge and wanted, wanted to take the leap with the Java house for sure um I always, when I do visit with students, um, the one thing that comes to mind is, again, there was no internet. We, I had like a Mac classic to type my business plan. I lived in a house with five girls and then went to California with my dad and legitimately visited all the coffee houses from Santa Monica up to San Francisco <laughs> with, a, with a camera, yeah. with a camera and took a photo and would get chased out of these coffee houses by taking photos. They're yeah. like, who is this random little girl? I just picture you like wired for sound, like taking an espresso I shot. Still each have one of these yep, and yep. And I, I think the real world, the, the real business term might be, I did sort of the gap analysis of what was the best of the best in every one of these little places I looked at. Yeah. And I would take a photo of it all the way down to Cody, the bear, you know, we've always been known to having a bear and, um, you know, it was the little things, the little touches, the, the details, I didn't drink coffee. My dad did the coffee drinking and he's like, you got to have this, you got to have that. Mm -hmm. And I took all 50, 60, 70 places that we went to, took all the photos and just kind of went through the photos, said, I like this, I like this, That's I awesome. like this, and formed that 
the form the concept, form the vision, mm-hmm. um, and that's how it came to life. And the first Java House was above Prairie, Prairie Lights, Lights, right? Yeah, and Jim it- Harris gave me a wonderful opportunity. Um, we sat in the cottage uh, with his wife and himself and uh, another another good friend of mine. Um, and what, I was 21, and and he gave me a chance. What did it cost to start the Java House in 1994? All in, yeah, you know, build all out the space, I, buy the equipment, all everything. That. Like, my um, what was your bank, and who who financed it? What bank financed the? Oh my goodness, a little Hickton Bank in Walford, Iowa. <laughs> um, they're no Good longer there, but they're they've been bought out. Um, a family bank that I had worked with with my family company for many years. Um, you remember how much it was? 40,000, 40,000. I, I don't even, I, you know, you look back at those, I had a $15,000 grant. I used the university to all the resources that I possibly could. The small business development center really gave me my boost. They gave me the opportunity to take my business plan and share it and, uh, achieve a grant That's that, cool. um, was part of my down payment. And as I said, I had a 1986 5.0 Mustang, <laughs> and I had some college debt, and I walked in at 21 and said, would Let's you give roll. me a loan? Um, so yeah, to this day, uh, going back to the roots, I had a, an amazing family member that helped me just, like we all do, sign, co-signed a loan. Yeah. That's where it started. So the first day, you the door, it's... You know, whatever you're opening at 7 a.m. It's 6:55 a.m. What what's going through your head? What's going through your your heart at that moment in time? 21 year old Tara getting ready to open this coffee shop for the first time, which to your earlier point was kind of innovative, right? Like you had identified a, a gap in the market, a need. You've seen it working in other places, but yet, like, hey, we're in Iowa City. Like, is this gonna work? What's going through your mind five minutes before you open the first? That. All I remember, like you all, you've opened up multiple locations as well. All I remember is the night before we taking, we had vinyl down and I remember my dad taking an exacto knife and literally slicing the, and we were putting a sign up. I think we sliced a six foot gash into the floor and we opened the next morning. But I will tell you, we were bringing real strong coffee to Iowa City and real coffee to Iowa City. And I remember my first thought was, Will they drink all the coffee mm-hmm. out of the mug and looking in the bus tub and going, is there any waste? Because we were really kind of bringing the dark California roast. And I, if there was any one memory that I do remember the most is, did they drink it? Is, are they going to be receptive to dark real coffee? Yeah. And that was my first memory, I suppose. Definitely ahead of the, the trend at the time, right? Like the way I've had coffee explained to me, that's very much a novice coffee drinker, but like there's the, what they would call like the first wave, right? Which was mm-hmm. Folgers, you know, Folgers in your cup, Multiple the, waves. the, yeah, the, you're the right. jingle. Then there was a second wave, which was like Starbucks and the lattes and those sort of things. And then the third wave, which people really know coffee is more of like, where's the origin of the bean and the exact roast and all the things that we love about exactly. coffee now, but shoot back in 94, 95, like bringing something different in like that. Exactly. Was, where did you source your bean? Like, what was that that process like? Where did that all happen? Well, let me let me even take you back. You mentioned the bank. Um, they legitimately thought I was opening up a coffee house and a truck stop. That's all that they knew, right? right? They, they're just a small town farmer bake. They mostly do ag. They're doing a favor. Um, like twenty they, cents a cup. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, how? On, that was a question. How are you going to charge three dollars for a cup of coffee nowadays? It's six or seven, but back then it was three. Yeah. Um, 
And exactly your, to your point, I had to convince them what a cafe latte was. And they were like, crazy woman. Um, <laughs> we're just kind of used to that diner coffee. And, and of course, back then it was free refills. Right. <laughs> so it was bringing a whole new concept back. Um, and yeah, there's been multiple waves. And like any company, we've gone through multiple stages of growth in our company to where now we do roast all of our own coffee. We do source all of our own coffee. We buy, con- you know, in mm-hmm. in. You know, we buy our coffee six months to eight months in advance on contract. I mean, we have to source everything. We have to cup it. We have to. It's a very, very long process to learn that back end of the business. Um, I didn't know that I would ever do that. Mm -hmm. But you you do what you got to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. So So you get open. You're above in the second floor of Prairie Lights. When, how far into it were you like, okay, I might be. I'd be kind of onto something here. This is this is really starting to click. Was it was it right away? Like did right the town away. and the market take to it? And the right buzz was away. Out? We were super lucky. Um, again, a really good mentor um, helped me find my way. We opened Prairie Lights in April of '94, and we opened what most of you all are familiar with, the downtown location in October of '94. Oh, so you guys were real quick. You outgrew fast. You real were, quick. That's um, cool. I don't know. When you're 21, we had a lot of energy just sitting there ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, I mean, I don't know if I could do that now. I have opened three stores in one year. It's a little rough. Um, you went into the Paul, the Paul Helen building, the, Paul the Helen iconic building. where we all yeah, know Java House yeah, to be. Yeah, real within, lucky. In under a year of, after your first location. Yep, within six months. You should have seen the bank's reaction. <laughs> I want some more money. I got to go. Can I have some more money? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was super lucky to have their support and have good networking the university was there to help me if I needed any questions asked. Um, you know, I take myself back to one of my funniest stories was the Paul Helen building is a real big building. And I just remember the cash box sitting in the middle of the basement with dollar bills just flailing all over the place. And we were just doing what we could to open the doors mm-hmm. again. Um it, it was pretty humorous and, and we were very <laughs> busy. And I think we opened on parents weekend really? and didn't know it. I was pretty dumb. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you learn everything by mistake, as we all know. Yeah. So that's, that is the that's the early on. You really kind of hit on the nuts and bolts of the beginnings, you know. Yeah. Um, what do you view? You know, we all know that you had mentioned it at the beginning. This this concept of of the third place of coffee shops, restaurants. Those we all have the first place, which is our home, and then it's the second place, which is. Work. Your office or work, which that's mm-hmm. changing. And now a coffee, we might talk about that too. A coffee shop can be a place where you work. It's reverting. Um, the, was that always an intu- or an observation and something that you knew about the potential business model? Is it, I can bring value to people by providing this? Or is this something, you must have known it because you went from a smaller location to a bigger one, more place to sit. But there, it's places where you can have a, a business meeting or exactly. read a book or play chess or do all those different things under, under your roof and drink mm-hmm. your coffee. Like, was that always part of uh, the business model or the business insight? Or is that something that had sort of changed and morphed once you got into it? It, it certainly has changed a little bit, but I think uh, ultimately we are selling the product and the experience, you know, in any company you, you're, you're going to sell your service, you're going to sell your product, you're going to sell your price, um, you have to do one of them really, really well to be successful. And at the time, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be the lowest price. We knew all of that. So um, we knew we were providing that experience um, with the quality product. Um, 
but you really realize that if you divert from that, your guests will tell you what the heck did you do. And I've made some mistakes over the years. We all know you've got to you got to be able to allow everyone to feel comfortable. And I think back then, it was all about the woman with the you know if you had a a baby in a stroller, um, you had you could have you know back then our, our gay and lesbian community, um, purple haired people. We wanted everyone to feel comfortable. Yep. Um, all all ages, elderly lawyers, families, college kids. So it was always my goal to make sure we provided that space. And as I've always said, house a conversation um, so that everybody could have their own conversation right. under our roof and still be able to enjoy themselves. And so really losing sight of that could potentially ruin our brand. Right. And that can happen. I've made mistakes over the years and I have yeah. to recalibrate. Absolutely. So you're, let's say year two in Java house is, is crushing it. It's you're in the, the big location. What, and you're, you're a rookie still, you're a rookie business owner, entrepreneur. Were there, was there a moment in time when you're like, Holy cow, what did I get myself into? Is it, is this right for me? Or were you just a natural all along? I mean, was there any big challenges out of the gate once you got situated in your, in your core location, whether that be staffing or, or well, okay, product wait, or let whatever. me, let me scale this back. Do you ever wake up every morning and go, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think we always do. Um, but as an entrepreneur, you either have it or you don't. And so we thrive off of, I, I believe we thrive off of challenge. We, we thrive off of kind of waking up in a day and not necessarily knowing what the day will bring. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be prepared for that anxiety. So, you, it's really stressful right at first, but you learn to understand, take a deep breath. It'll be okay. We'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, the challenges were huge and they still are. What was an unexpected challenge? You take yourself back to those first couple of years running the business. Very young, right? Obviously you're yeah, only 22, yeah. 23 years old. Like what, what worse does something come to memory about a, and on it, something you didn't expect yeah. that kept on nagging at you as a challenge in the business. You know, certainly you start whenever you start a company on a, a company on a shoestring. That's always difficult. <laughs> and of course, yeah, I was twenty one. That little bank. Yeah, wants yeah. Their I money think back, the number right? one rule of thumb is uh, there's three rules of business: never run out of cash, never run out of cash, <laughs> and never run out of cash. Yeah. Um. So that was certainly a challenge because I didn't have the financial backing of a normal family, of a normal business or a partner. And yep. to this day, I still don't have a partner. Um, I got a lot of team members that are my partners, let me tell you. Um, but that was certainly a challenge. I think my eye-opening, my opening, eye-opening experience for me was you, you get wrapped up in day-to-day, and any business owner can do that. And then I went to Europe when I was 25, a few years after, and I definitely realized I don't want to do this every day. I got to figure out how to de- develop and create process. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was recognizing create process. It was... It's time to dial it in, figure out how to walk away. Could have also been that I maybe was pregnant. That could have been the other part of it. <laughs> yeah, life uh, yeah, it. Yeah, and a life change. So you learn real quick that you have to create handbooks, which I always did have a handbook from day one. Create operational procedures so that when you walk away, the process runs. And then at that point, as we've learned, and I think statistically, your third location is generally the location that you will make or break um, generally you can, an owner can be in one or two. Yeah. Um, you get that third, mi- that third one in the mix. There's if only we, so many of you, we, right? Yeah. yeah. You got to figure out process quickly. And that's probably what we do well. 
-hmm. and those would have been the challenges that we faced early on. Um, however, you also you also have to recognize that as an owner, you have to be able to walk away and face the challenges and take it to the next level. Yep. And sometimes you, in order to do that, you got to be able to compromise, yeah. delegate. That was a huge challenge. Yeah, absolutely. That's your finding that of, owner that's going to yeah, see like you or that business partner slash manager slash. Yeah, you need the, so, the Robin to your Batman. He, yeah, as you, as and you so grow. and with any company, I had to figure out how to train somebody, how to change a roll of toilet paper. The E Myth was a big book that I remember really resonating with. Like Tara, get your stuff together. Right. When did you see? I'm just thinking back, like in the Pantheon. I, I, I was at the university from 2000 to 2004. Java House was obviously there, but like college kids, I didn't think at least like, maybe I'm completely wrong and I was living in a bubble. Like it feels like I go now, like college kids are like packed to the gills at, at the at coffee and there's like lines out the door. Like I can't remember why, like 20 years ago, mm -hmm. coffee being that prevalent um, amongst college kids. Like how have you seen uh, for coffee drinkers say, you know, even over the last 20 years, how has the palate changed? What's been the biggest demand um, drivers that have morphed over the, the, the lifespan sure. of the Java house. Well, I, this is, I, this is going to be a go local, uh, answer for sure. Um, obviously we started without any of the big chains, big chains do, did a really good thing for our industry, which was teach people how to drink coffee. Mm -hmm. They helped them decipher the difference between convenience store coffee and good coffee. So that was a really helpful thing. So we have to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, However, moving forward, then we then we start competing with drive-throughs, and you start competing with time, convenience, yeah, convenience. And we had to really set, you know, sit back and go, is that what we want to be? And it goes back to exactly what we just revisited, which was we wanted to provide that experience, right? So really identifying and honing in on whatever we do, we got to do well. Mm -hmm. um, we can't do it all, and so we'll never be the best drive-through. We'll never have the best app. A mini pre-order app. Yep. However, we need to make sure that what we do do well is our product and our experience. And staying focused on, that's what being local can offer us. Mm -hmm. And I think in the end, um, especially post-COVID or maybe still during COVID, we looked at all these people that were really, really interested in that convenience drive-through. Now we're looking at a lot of people that are coming back into, wait a second, I don't want to be stuck at home. I need to go back in whether, whether, it's your place of business or my place of business. They need that separate place from home to feel comfortable, have a meeting, yeah. get out of the house, and re you know re energizing that experience again. What year did Starbucks come to downtown Iowa City? Do you remember? Mm, goodness gracious, I don't even mid two thousands. Yeah, I mean, I, it was probably I would have said before oh eight because I remember the oh eight. I want to say oh four oh five. That's just a guess. Yeah. Um, I think you put it. I mean, you have to understand what game you're playing. Right. Like what 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 is your brand positioning? What are your differentiators? And by understanding what game you're playing, you got to then what do you need to do to optimize to win that game? But then you also have to understand what game you don't want to play. I think exactly. that's a great insight that you had there. It's like you're not going to be Starbucks, nor do you want to be. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore, you're going to play this different game from them. And then you got to do different things in order to be successful there. So I think that's yeah. that's a great, unique story. And, then, and I think you go to college towns with other towns. There are those places where, yeah, you might. Need the quicker than Starbucks on lit. I mean, almost literally every corner. Of in course, a, of it's course. ridiculous. But there's always those who are like, where is that quintessential coffee shop that is part yes. of the fabric of the community, especially in a college town? 
there's always those like famous kind of coffee shops like Zingerman's in, in mm-hmm. Ann Arbor and mm-hmm. like where mm-hmm. you go back and think of all the people that have like met their their wife or their husband or something oh, over I, at the coffee I, shop. I, and, I could retire on the number of marriages <laughs> and uh, relation, you know, 30, 30 years of it. But, you know, I think you also, I'm going to step back just a tad about that, where the industry is going. Um, since we have started, we also have the other big chains, the Dunkins, mm-hmm. that, have, that have really, really upped their quality. So that is a big industry question that our industry is facing is. They're almost a coffee shop that it, happens to sell donuts. I mean, they've, but they, like, they are, but they've the brought their, their. But now the question is: Is Duncan considered specialty? Um, that's a big industry question that we're facing because they have uh, come to the table with higher quality and yeah. huh. more specialty. Now, again, it goes back to who do we want to be? They aren't necessarily coming to the table with the best experience, as far as you know, having a meeting and doing your thing and having a conversation and place a conversation. So, again, staying local, identifying your niche staying on who you are is really important for us local people. Yeah. And I guess you can tell I'm a diehard local, right? <laughs> well, absolutely. So, I mean, this is literally a company born here at the, at the university in Iowa city. right? It, it is. And I give them a lot of, I, I give the, the, t, you know, our JPEG program, which I, I am really truly dedicated to, and I have a lot of passion for and, and the university of Iowa really helping establish our roots here. Yeah. What, have you learned about growth? Because I think that's another really interesting, unique thing about the Java House's story is you, you have the one successful location and for a good chunk of people, which is totally fine, that would have been enough. And you, I, the business that you do there is, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, amazing. It's always busy. But then you, you, you have several different locations in Iowa City. Then, of course, the partnership with UIHC and now in the Cedar Rapids mm-hmm. Airport. What was it about, you know, how you're, DNA is and, and design about how you wanted to grow and how do you analyze growth opportunities? Talk a bit about yeah. your expansion and, and, and how you analyze the, the various uh, opportunities that came across your plate. I love the words that you say, analyze. Well, you know, they, they say we're supposed to create a business plan and run numbers and do cash flows and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like yeah. in the real big, you know, but I gotta, but I gotta say that sometimes it, it really is your gut instinct mm-hmm. um, that really drives you. And, you know, we we obviously are no longer in, say, the hospital and clinics um, from 2018, but we certainly still work with the College of Medicine and things like that. And in reality is, is that you, it just sort of happens where you're presented with an opportunity and you you sit there and you go, you're crazy. And then you go home at night and you're like, wait, maybe maybe I just like – Maybe I just like start thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and then you, I think the one thing when it comes to growth, and this is going to sound a little weird, but I try not to ever think that money could be an obstacle. And I try to look at more of the passion and the wants and the desires. And, and is it something that the brand and the concept can sustain? And right. then, and then if I really can prove it to myself, then I'll, I'll find, the, we'll go to step two. Yeah. Um, I've always told anyone I've ever spoke to is, or, you know, don't let money be the obstacle to drive that passion. Right. Um, let that fall into place later. Yeah. You'll figure it out if you want it bad enough. Um, and that was important to me. And so I think that's how we've always also managed the growth. Um, for us, our big thing was uh, in 2016, um, you know, we, we have a, a 12,000 square foot roaster in North Liberty. Wow. Um, so for us, that was a huge jump for, you know, and 
And a lot of work. It is huge. Yeah. It is huge. And a lot of consultants coming in from the West Coast. And I didn't know what I was diving myself was into. Driven by just vertically integrating that component in the business and you can control quality. Or was there also like mm -hmm. a cost cost control element? Like you penciled it out and saying, OK, I could my beans are now going to cost me X amount less or what? Yeah. What was the, the main factor behind I, that? It could have been. Doesn't seem easy, by the way. See, this is going to seem really awkward, but it, I think it might have been I got a little bored. Mm -hmm. Truly, because when you do something for a really long time, you, you love it, but you also need something to stimulate us crazy people in the entrepreneur world. Right. Um, and I thought, well, I think it's time that we could look at roasting our own coffee. Certainly there was a price factor. One thing that does happen, as I always say, we're a little big company in Iowa City. Mm -hmm. We operate very local, um, but behind the scenes, we're kind of big. Right. And people don't really get that. Mm -hmm. They just think it kind of magically appears. Yeah. Um, and just so, some of your secret sauce. You've been able to kind of keep that, like, to your point, the community-centric local business. Yeah. But, yeah you've so, got a lot. <laughs> yeah. So when you, you know, when you do that growth part, it it's a very big deal to really sit there and absorb it. And what makes you decide to open up a coffee roastery, which you know coffee, but you don't know mm -hmm. C contracts. You don't understand how you're buying. Whole different and, yeah, yeah. You don't know blending coffees and, you know, which Guatemalan are you getting? I mean, you suddenly know all these third world countries that you're just like, oh, dang, I wasn't quite sure I was going to learn this, but I guess I have. Um, and I think part of it, too, is, is for me, I think one of my funniest stories, I have two children that are 22 and 25. And when they went to West High, they would say, "What do your mom? What does your mom do?" And she said, "They would say well, she she works the Java House or owns the Java House or what have you." And they would, th their first response was, "Which one?" <laughs> right. And my kids would like, keep all coming. Of them. She'll yeah, go. yeah, yeah. And my kids would be like, "What do you mean? You know, we've been raised in these stores. We're tired of picking up straw wrappers. Um, we, you know, all she does is make us sit in the car. She says she'll be back in one minute, and an hour later she comes strolling out. Mm -hmm. That's what they know, you know. And I think that." as we progressively only start, you know, do this longer and longer. Now what I'm running into is more of the behind the scenes. We can push and push and push, but now even our team members are like, well, we don't, we don't know where this stuff comes from. They don't even realize how much we do behind the scenes right. to keep this brand going. Yeah. And so for us, that's the rewarding part. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're also like, Darn, we've worked so hard to try to get that message out there. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah the fact that it's locally roasted. It stinks and, when people say you're a franchise when they weren't raised in it. Right. We've lost that generation because they didn't see us open in the 90s. Yeah. And so that's a little weird for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm well, old, I think I I'm a big fan of what y'all have done. I mean, in the uh, the airport, well, first and foremost, is just what that's, they've done with the expansions. It's a beautiful, that area. you come up the stairs there and, and mm -hmm. you got the... The, the brand new wing, but then of course the, the Java house kind of kiosk talk, talk, take us inside the deal, like doing the oh, deal at the airport. Yeah. Give us a little bit of insider baseball here. Like absolutely. How did the, how did this come together and at what point in time and how do you structure a deal like that? And I mean, walk you us got, through that. You got to walk, you got to give um, the director of the airport credit for that one. Marty, um, Marty Lenz, he, he had a vision, he mm -hmm. had an idea and he found a local a local brand that you're cool. It is a very local and you've got the, uh, yeah. the old capital. You guys have beautiful artwork for your yeah, design. We tied it the, all in. It looks very local, which is cool. Like it's your first taste of the local place. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, again, building, so he approached you, Marty uh, did. And yeah. Marty did a wonderful thing and he just saw this vision, this idea. Um, and I give him a lot of credit for, for, for that because I, at first I was like, what? Um, and then we work with the, that global contracting, which is, you know, they sub out, you know, 
that they, they run all of the entities. So then I thought he was even more crazy. I'm like, you're going to connect me with this global company out of where? So the global company does your staffing? SSP, um, that's or correct, or travel. And so, um, c- correct. So SSP is a national, uh, they run airports all over the, you know, hmm. the retail services and lots of airports across the country or lots okay. of, across the world, actually. So those um, aren't technically your em- employees? No, nope, The, the nope. airport is basically licensing the Java house. And, and you, and yeah, you have a, and maybe a scope of services yeah, you're providing. Yep, yep. yep. And, and the beauty the beauty of it is um, there there are our liaisons that we all work together. It's it's really fun to work with them. And I think that having worked with lots of different relationships over the years, it's really important for us to enjoy who we work with. Right. And um, we really enjoyed the airport. We really enjoyed the team there. We really enjoyed um, just it, it, for us, it's, you know, even at the hospital, like we work with, if we're, if we're just selling coffee to say volunteer services, the whole idea is that it's it feels like it's ours because we're that vested. Right. It's service. Mm-hmm. We provide that ultimate service to have coffee partner relationships, whether you are at the airport or, you know, we're opening, you know, a little cafe, helping somebody open a cafe in the wholesale department where yep. we can. And for us, we want to make sure that those people walk away feeling so confident. Sure. It is. It's, Marty's great. And so is that airport. Yeah. They're wonderful. Absolutely. So you've built an amazing thing here over the course of the last almost 30 years, which is amazing. <laughs> it's become an institution in in Iowa City, a quintessential part of the uh, campus University of Iowa experience. So what, I mean, you're, I don't know, like halfway through a quarter of the way, whatever, for your own personal professional journey through the Java house. Like what is your Java house 20 years from now? What is What does it want to be? Or 34, however, whatever Tara is no longer there. Like, what is your dream for Java House? Like, what is where the... We, what, where do we see ourselves? Yeah. yeah, what's the legacy? Like, what does success look I like 20 years I knew you were going to bring up that word legacy in this <laughs> interview, too. I thought to myself, he's going to ask me, what does, you know, what... Is this do, something you want to live on beyond you as this beautiful local business that, that does great things? Or what do you think about when you think about the future? Yeah, what's important no, to you? it's a great question. Um, you know, we've been doing this... 29 years, it seems like we started yesterday. It really does. Um, we've had so many bumps, so many challenges, and we've had so many rewards. Um, but truly, in the end, I need our legacy to also be, you know, certainly the the brand and the, uh, and the beverage and the experience. But I hope that we also are able to leave a good legacy with the people that work with us, our management team. Um, and I can leave that 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 teaching moments with, with whether it's our guest or our team. Um, I, I can say um, 80% of my management team has been, upper management's been with the company for 18 to 10 years. Yeah, that's great. Um, and for me, I think if I can leave that legacy with the people that we can teach along the way, which is probably a little out there, um, but after 29 years, we, we carry it forward. We yeah. got to carry it forward. Um, and teach our, you know, teach our younger generation. This is important to continue a, a local brand. Um, as far as where do, where do I see myself? I, I, I you know, I'm certainly tired. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I won't deny it. Um, and you know, certainly keeping the company local will be very, very important, you know, yeah. and, and probably engaging my team members and, and, you know, there's this, there's, there's all sorts of plateaus and 
jargon in business that says a company does this and this after so many years, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that 30 years, this is good. I, I'm a little immune to our brand, mm-hmm. right? We see it every single day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, I, I'm learning a lot from the younger generation bringing me ideas. Sure. And I hope that we can take those ideas and, and carry it forward. Yeah. Hit on that quick. I mean, think of all the different changes, whether it's different technologies within the store or the consumer's palette maybe changing what they want. But like, what is the Java house in 2040? Like, take us, it, we're walking mm-hmm. through the front door, we can smell the coffee. Like, what is going to be different about coffee shops and maybe specifically Java house 10, 15 years from now? If I, anything, maybe yeah, it just, it, just no. it is what it is. It's I like caffeine, think, people are drinking it for hundreds absolutely. of thousands of years. And Well, caffeine's a really good legal addictive drug, which is great. <laughs> Um, that certainly has helped out. Um, you know, the the reality is is that I think we always are going to have to have an experience where people can go and feel comfortable and invited and and have that house of conversation. It just is really important, so no matter what we do. Um, it can be you know having a cocktail. It can be whatever, but whatever works for for that. And no matter how we do it, it still needs to stay and maintain. Um, you know, we've had to do things like. You know, we're heirloom salad company. Did I ever think I was going to open heirloom salad? I mean, again, I think it might have been a weak moment where I was like, you're bored. (laughs) (laughs) And and again, I don't. That's part of an entrepreneur's journey. It it is. When we try things and not everything, we know we've changed that concept around here and there. And and, um, that, you know, stemmed from me visiting New York many times and, and having children yep. doing programs out there. And I think, Oh, we can take this back to Iowa city. Um, but that is, you know, for anybody that does want to start a company, I think you just have to have that drive, be willing to take a risk, be willing to fail mm-hmm. and stand back up and go, okay, I learned from this. And in the end, if, as we move forward and where will we be, um, we really do have to identify, we will certainly mess up and, if we sit there and stew on all the mistakes, we will just fail. Right. Um, however, if we can stew on the opportunities from those mistakes and what we could change and do differently, then I think everyone can be successful in whatever they do. Yeah. Whether you know, and in long term, um, I'm hoping that you know we are certainly able to enhance the brand and and our experience and more importantly the the, the quality product. Yeah. I mean, we we work. Night and day cupping, a continuous tasting. improvement. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're tasting different types of pistachio. You know, I mean, you, you name it. Yeah, and it never fails. The pistachio yeah. thing that kind of came out of nowhere for Starbucks. I walked in. Oh, one it's, day and it's like now okay. we got pistachio this is ultimately flavor. Ultimately, no, annoying <laughs> because all I would say ninety nine percent of the time that we're doing our beverage testing, we've started it and we're getting ready and. Those, Here comes Starbucks. like, read your mind, yeah. And we're literally like, what the heck? <laughs> like, we've been working on this, you know, how many months? And and my creative team behind the scenes is literally like, there we are. We're three weeks late to the game again, you know. Um, but it's stuff that we start months It's got to be a months. lot of fun, though. It's got to, it's cool, cool uh, stuff to see it. I love the positioning of, of yeah, you get to Starbucks, but like, there's always that special place for a Java house. And I love that concept of the house of conversation. A couple quick hitters. We're buttoning up against our yeah, time perfect. here a little bit, but like, 29 years in business, being this place to convene people, like give us a story. Like, is there a craziest thing that's happened in, in a Java house with your customers or like something you've witnessed or mm. is there anything that, that stands out? I mean, you get that yeah. many humans coming through your door. There's got to be some craziness. Yeah. I think it's the people you certainly meet. Um, the regular. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, you don't realize 
whether it's a team member who will tell you an amazing story about their life and you really have this sense of appreciation, like, dang, um, or it's a guest. And I think probably one of my funniest stories as a personal business owner and a person is understanding that one of my guests was back in the day, Lord Richard Acton. And it was a good story because I didn't understand that here he was and in England and the House of Commons and House mm-hmm. of Parliament. He's like, yeah, just stop over and come and visit us in the house. I said, okay. <laughs> and I'm 25 years old and I had no idea here I was going to be going to lunch yeah. in the House of Commons. <laughs> and I'm literally... Isn't that kind of funny? Like to think almost 30... Think of all the famous people that you didn't even know that are coming it's, through Iowa City for whatever. I mean, you're right next to the Englert Theater, right? In mm-hmm, downtown Iowa. Exactly. Like, whoever come from the university, like all the famous people you don't even know it that have come oh, and had a cup of Java House coffee. It's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, and we've had lots of good experiences where I walked out and the entire Secret Service has the streets shut down and suddenly, you know, there's Alan Tipper and that, Tipper. We've had many. Yeah, yeah. But I think in the end, the biggest takeaway is, you know, what you don't realize stuff just kind of falls on your lap and you just got to really ride it mm-hmm. and you got to just take a deep breath. But, you know, when I went to, to England and, and I'm doing this at 25, I'm wearing jeans with holes in them. I'm chewing gum, which by the way, you cannot chew gum. <laughs> so they, he's like, you need to spit that out. And then, you know, and you have to walk on a certain line inside of, you know, inside of there and you're eating and you go, wow, without somebody giving me that opportunity. And I think that's ultimately what we have to do is pay it back. Yeah. Pay it forward. Yep. Absolutely. And so I think that's my, probably my, and there's no crazy stories because I could give you, I could have written a book on the crazy stories. <laughs> do that. That'd be great. Uh, I think if sell I sell it right by the checkout spot at the coffee, oh, people buy that thing. We always say we can't make this or things up. like things you overheard in the house of conversation. I mean, oh, I'm sure it's, I mean, you name it. We've had people try to take out. Think of how many breakups, how many, you we've know, done lots of failed, bad business interviews have happened at your tables at the, at I mean, the you can, I mean, I, we've watched people try to steal a piece of artwork that's bigger than them <laughs> out the front door. And you're like, what are you doing? I mean, you, you, the human nature, yeah, you, it's fun. You get used to it. Write that book. Oh. I want to I read that. Well, we should have started a long time ago. A bunch of us. <laughs> a journal or something. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. A Twitter page or something. But yeah. all right, well, let's finish it off. I mean, it, you've had tons of success with the Java House. But I mean, personally, how do you, in, in one sentence, how would you define success? Success is certainly be willing to take risks and fall on your face, pick yourself back up, but more importantly, have integrity along the way. Yeah. If you do not do what you say you're going to do in business, you're doomed. Yeah. That's great advice. Well, that's awesome. We look forward to uh, you caffeinating all of all of the corridor for many, many more years to come. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been awesome. Thank you, Nate. Thanks for the opportunity. And likewise, you've done a wonderful thing for our community as well. Yeah, well, thank you. Yourself. Appreciate it. Many thanks to Tara Krombau for coming onto the show to talk about her real success. You can learn more about her story at thejavahouse.com. And I'd also like to thank Midwest One Bank for sponsoring this podcast. Learn more and experience simply better banking at MidwestOne.Bank. This podcast is produced by Upload Media Group, located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information on them, you can visit UploadMediaGroup.com. If you enjoy this show, consider subscribing and reviewing on your podcast platform of choice. It helps us to continue to develop and grow. Real Success with Nate Kading is a Corridor Media Group podcast. For more information, visit CorridorBusiness.com.